Hello and bienvenue. My name is Elise Lavallee and I am your host here at the Silence Between the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra podcast. Today we are very excited to be talking with the WSO's new music director, Danielle Reiskip. Maestro Danielle Reiskin. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, so we will have a strong focus on contemporary music because of the upcoming 2019 Winnipeg New Music um, Festival. But first, um, I would like to... I have a personal quest to unmask a little bit of the mystery surrounding, surrounding rather, uh, conducting and... Um, the magic that happens, you know, a lot of people still to this day want to say, what does the conductor do? And I think that a lot of it is obvious with, you know, starting the music and the beat and the dynamics and all this. But um, beyond that, how does that, um, how does that manifest for you, this kind of... Uh, well, it, it, it's a great question, and it, it also possesses some answers in itself. Um, for a majority of the people, um, it stays a mystery, and it should stay this way, because otherwise <laughs> we won't be paid. Um, you want to keep this uh, as mysterious as possible, because basically it comes down to, you know, you go on stage, um, you take a bow, uh, you start to wave your hands. Uh, when musicians stop playing, you stop waving your hands. <laughs> you turn around, you take applause, and you go back and you get a fat check. <laughs> that's the perception. That's the perception of uh, what the conducting is about, and that's actually a, a joke, uh, you know, like a running gag, which is uh, repeated by many conductors, also some very well known. Recently, I heard uh, these variations on the joke from Ricardo Muti, who is a wonderful conductor, music director of Chicago Symphony, who told that he told the, his taxi driver that, you know, it's, it's very easy to, uh, he can teach him to conduct the Unfinished Symphony by Schubert in like 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, um, what are conductors? Conductors are first and foremost, we're musicians, as mm -hmm. you are, um, as the colleagues of the WSO, as my friends I play chamber music with or conductors I play uh, soloist with or any other conductors. We are musicians and uh, um, what we try to do is to, um, at least it's my objective always, is to bring a clear sense of where I want to take music um, I perform together with a group of people that trust me on this quest. Mm -hmm. um, the way how you do it uh, technically is uh, secondary. Because the level of education of musicians that are nowadays uh, working in the orchestras around the world is uh, so high, and uh, also the experience and you know the development of the all possible um, media's uh, around us is so advanced that this flow of information and knowledge and comparison is uh, is very rich. So uh, the knowledge there is so broad majority of the good orchestra musicians, they don't need instructions, they need inspiration. And this is for me, um, what I'm trying to achieve is to uh, um, help create atmosphere during the rehearsals that will allow this free dialogue and flow, free flow of 
um, ideas during the concert. And of course, you have works that are more known um, and then uh, you have to coordinate these less and others that are less popular and then the orchestra needs a, a certain a sense of help technically just to, uh, you know, bridge the distances between the last stand of the 12 first violins and the third trombone that are 50 meters away from each other and not necessarily hear what one really is doing but to create this awareness is more important than just to let people play with your beat. If the trombone will know what the violins do and uh, other way around, they... How do you create this awareness with your... Well, it's 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 a dialogue. Sometimes, I mean, you have a score that contains uh, all the lines that are to be played, and um, you cannot expect from the members of the orchestra that everyone knows what the uh, the colleagues uh, in the other registers are doing. So sometimes it just takes a while just to point out, to explain. Uh, you cannot listen while playing in the orchestra to everything at the same time. You also should not to, but you should know exactly what to listen to, uh, to know who you make music with. Is it, if you sit in violas, uh, as you know, you are the in middle voice and it's sometimes very important for you to concentrate on the line of basses. Yeah? And then but basses need to hear what the timpani play at that time. And they are 20 meters away. And you create this awareness. And But this is, again, a, a matter of coordination. And the rest is the story you try to tell. And you try to excite everyone with this story. And uh, also, uh, in a way, accept a great deal of information and uh, emotions that is offered to you by the people that are playing because conductor is the only musician on stage who is silent. Mm -hmm. I'm not producing any sounds. So I'm not trying to make people play anything. I just try to make them want to do it. You mm -hmm. know? And, and when everyone wants to do it, you, you, you sometimes prepare a certain idea, but you come to a rehearsal and someone plays so convincingly, but so more, so different from what you actually wanted to hear that is very enriching because at this moment you can take a step back and say, okay, I had a different idea, but I mm -hmm. like this so much. I just accept this and mm -hmm. I integrate it to what I want it to be. And this is for me the, the, the most important base of relationship with orchestra. Like in chamber music, when you have only two or three or six players, it's all about this dialogue and a game of uh, sometimes compromises, but in a good way where everyone has room for their voice but uh, ultimately, it serves taking the result in the same direction. Yeah. Absolutely. And I find, uh, you know, the, the balance is very um, vulnerable in a way. Sometimes as a violist, you know, I want to be active because inner voices, right? But just how much can you be active so you don't deter or just support, uh, you know, in a chamber music setting yeah. too? Of course. On the other hand, uh, you cannot just, you know, create anything interesting with the outer crust, you know, of the lower voices and the <coughs> upper voices. So um, very often it becomes interesting because of a special life, the inner voices, the, the feeling of, as I always say, it's it's about praline, you know, you have <laughs> chocolate outside, <laughs> but if the feeling is very interesting, it's a complete picture. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's just a hollow chocolate crust, you mm -hmm. know. Great, so, I like that. I like yeah. that. Was there a decisive moment in your life? Like for me, I think when I was six or seven, I was watching TV at night, bored to tears because at the time they didn't have comics all day. And it was a show called Les Beaux Dimanches, and it was a violinist playing. And I thought the wood 
I didn't couldn't see strings. I thought the wood was making the different sounds. And from that day on, I bugged my parents every day to play the violin. But it took a whole year. I had to try build my own instrument. So that was the first. Then after that, I discovered Bach Chacon later and I completely delved into music. But for you, you grew up in a house with a lot of music, I think. I grew up in a house with a lot of music because by the time I was born, my brother, my late brother, who was seven years older than I am, was already starting to play cello. And uh, you can imagine being seven-year-old studying cello. The first sounds I heard were not all too pretty. <laughs> uh, but by the time I turned six and I grew all this time um, in the same room with uh, uh, my elder brother who was practicing cello, or actually not practicing cello, not wanting to practice cello. But um, um, I was, uh, by that time, my mom was probably tired of carrying the cello case uh, around my brother to his lessons. So she thought if her uh, youngest son is to play instruments, she should go for something smaller. Okay. <laughs> and so I got the violin in my hands, and which was actually something very trivial for a boy from a Jewish family, you know, having a violin ah. in, the, in the hands. And I had a great first teacher, uh, Mr. Samuel Zabuzinski, who actually lived the last 25 years of his life uh, not far away, far away from here uh, in Indianapolis. And, no, sorry, in Minneapolis he lived oh. uh, for, for, for many years. And... Uh, um, my first seven years or eight years of violin instruction were fundamental, but I never felt at home on violin. I was quite a big boy always, and I just felt very, it really didn't have enough space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was not really like particularly good. I was okay, but I, I, I'd rather played, you know, with my buddies outside <laughs> and played ice hockey or whatever and they, you know looking out of the window for them having snow fun in St. Petersburg and having to play my etudes didn't translate into a lot of excitement but so then, when did it come yes. well it came it came um, I think I was 14 and my parents took me to a recital of a, a very renowned Russian viola player Yuri Kramarov and uh, I was absolutely mesmerized by this mm. sound because for me the connection to the sound actually didn't happen with the violin like it was mm -hmm. for you, mm -hmm. but with the viola, I suddenly heard an instrument that was much more me. It was mm -hmm. much more much more related to the voice, and it was still very virtuosic when it was going in upper registers, but it was almost becoming a cello going to the C string and all, and maybe also the repertoire he played was um, uh, great for that sense. So I said, you know, if you want me to continue pursuing a career in music, uh, this is what I'm going to study. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, so I went to, uh, after the school, I went to music college uh, and studied viola. And very, very quickly, another great uh, um, event in my life happened. I, I met uh, my first conducting teacher, who was mm -hmm. a, a conductor of uh, the college uh, uh, symphony orchestra. And uh, very quickly, he realized that I have this... Um, strange fire in my eyes Goodness, you know yeah, yeah. and uh, he just picked <laughs> me up from the orchestra and said you come here and you try you know? <laughs> good, and, good. and I tried and I my soul was sold to devil I <laughs> couldn't I could <laughs> okay, that's great. it it was a it was like like a bacteria that yeah, just yeah, yeah. sits in you and just develops and it's uh, and I knew for, for for a fact that this is what I'm going to be and this is what I would like to be to become a conductor mm -hmm. but thank God um, in the society and the surroundings I was living, um, 
you had to become an accomplished musician first, you know, in all kinds, in order to dream of pursuing a career of a conductor. So, the, um, and then, you know, uh, life happened and things happened. And I actually st studied uh, conducting and viola playing since I was 15, but a professional conducting career only from when I was 30. So uh, by that time, I already was a very busy violist and, and came through the complete circle, being an orchestral musician, chamber musician, soloist around the world, recording teachers and all that. And yeah. that helped a lot when yeah. I really moved into uh, only conducting. Great. Um, so now about the upcoming Winnipeg New Music Festival. Um, that's another thing I feel also when you say new music, modern music, contemporary music, sometimes people are scared. Well, and it's not rightfully so because people just must understand that any music, any written music, no matter when it was written, the moment it was written, it was a contemporary new music. Whether music <laughs> yes. by Bach or music by Mozart or then by Brahms or by Stravinsky, it was always new and contemporary to those around them. And it's just, again, a question of great music and not so great music, like mm. anything else in life. And music that withstands the probe of time becomes a classic. And mm -hmm. the one which is not... Uh, feels dated very quickly or maybe just is not of a very high probe. So I think uh, too much accent is uh, placed on two things. One is classical music, mm -hmm. uh, the accent on the you know, on the word classical, and yes. another one is on the word contemporary or new music. We should really talk about music in general. You don't talk about uh, good food and normal uh, and, and contemporary food. Uh -huh. You know, because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah, you can have an experimental cuisine, but that's a little different. Experimental music and new music, but you can distinguish between great food and not so great food, as you can between entertainment and art, uh -huh. between fast food and cuisine. But we don't talk about uh, you know modern food or classic food. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some classical dishes that mm -hmm. became classics because mm -hmm. they're popular for 200 years, mm -hmm. you know? And we call modern cuisine, which is a fusion of, I don't know, uh, uh, Polish and Japanese. <laughs> that yes. will be a very strange fusion, and that becomes... But in music, it's much more liberal in that sense. Uh -huh. And um, I would... The first thing I always do is I try to uh, relax people about uh -huh. any kind of anxiety or, or, or fear towards these kind of things, classical music and modern music. Great. I like that. Um, so this year we have seven concerts and a pre-concert. So if we can talk a bit chronologically, uh, the pre-concert, Glacial Time, um, is happening... At the Forks, and this is really special. We have a multi-instrumental instrumentalist who is going to come here and make his instruments with ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, it all starts. Uh, um, it all starts even before because the place where um, uh, this concert, this event, will happen, is ice already because it's it's on a on a frozen waters of Asinivon and Red River. It's it's actually in the Forks where. 
actually the corner where the rivers uh, the rivers meet. And is it an igloo? Is no, it, uh, it's it's an amphi- it's it's actually an ice amphitheater that is going to be built okay. with a, a kind of a structure. I think it's uh, some kind of. Uh, cloth structure over okay. it or something but it's actually it's, it's an awesome theater for some 500 people oh yeah and anyone who wants to get there they better rush because yeah, very the, quickly. because the uh, the capacity cannot be exceeded above 500 and i, th- I know that the, there is already a run for this ticket so you one should be uh, fast and then we have a so we have an um frozen rivers we have uh I'm theater to build from ice, and then we have the Norwegian multi-instrumentalist and musician Terje Insungset, who is coming, and he has designed instruments that are carved from ice uh-huh. by a special person, a, an ice carver, oh, okay. who comes especially with him to do that. So we have a percussion, uh, you know, like yeah, isophone and ice horns and ice uh, uh, wind instruments and percussion instruments and others. And um, anyone who is curious to um, discover this before and get excited, mm-hmm. uh, there is quite a uh, amount of material on YouTube to mm-hmm. uh, look at. If you just, you know, Google it up, uh, Terry Insuccess, Ice Instruments, you'd be amazed how this uh, I was sounds. surprised that there were some wind instruments. I thought for sure percussions, and I could imagine the sound of ice. You know a little bit how that sounds. But an actual, like a bell, like from a French horn. Yeah. That he well, and then you put a, 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 a mouthpiece, uh, oh, yeah. a normal mouthpiece into it. But Look, at these temperatures, the ice uh, has such um, a solid uh, composure that uh, and very special acoustical um, qualities uh, like reflections and stuff. But I think that it's it's very funny to uh, actually realize how human related this whole project is. If you just think for a moment that we as humans, we consist for over 70 uh, percent, our body consists of water. Yeah. And ice is frozen water, and uh, rivers are frozen water, and theater is from frozen water, <laughs> and the ice instruments are from. So uh, it's 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 this kind of um, our water as human beings are, are not frozen because uh, uh, we have warm blood and a lot of caribous that we're going to consume during the uh, this event, <laughs> I guess, and other drinks that keep us from being frozen. Um, otherwise, we also become ice human beings. But the rest is just water, and it's uh, the second most important element uh, for us humans to survive uh, outside the oxygen in the air. So this is like, uh, this idea struck me very quickly, and when I saw um, what was actually offered as a as a as a musical part of it, um, I was immediately hooked on it. And next to it, we also have uh, a piece by uh, John Luther Adams, a mm-hmm. fantastic American composer. Um, uh, he in Uxuit, uh, yes. and uh, um, it's uh, a piece for nine groups of percussionists. Uh, That's what it is. You know, with yes, and with with and each of these sections will have like a little ice wall behind them so it will be both highlighted but also will have the acoustical reflection um, capacity um, and music by John Luther Adams is also so incredibly nature related mm. and so these soundscapes uh, in the evening this very unreal uh, 
extraterrestrial kind mm -hmm. of uh, uh, lights and yes. uh, really cold but then the music and the ice and uh, it's 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 a one once in a lifetime experience Absolutely. i'm sure yeah yeah that will be great um and then the opening night uh will we will have uh our uh, conductor bramwell tovey who was the founder of the new music festival and um, as well, there will be a piece by John Adams, Harmony Lyra, which was the first major work that was played in 1992. Yeah. And um, at the time in 1992, I was not there, but somebody in the audience made a tape recording of that piece and sent it to um, John Adams. And he said it was so far the best recording he had heard of it. Hmm. So we're repeating that experience uh, with Bramwell. Um, I feel like that concert is very accessible with the the John Adams and there's uh, Harry Stefilakis, Kelly Mary Murphy and Jocelyn Marlick played yeah. by Yuri Hooker. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's um, it's very interesting. Um, I never met uh, Bramble um, oh. Tovey in person myself, but of course I know of him and we here in Winnipeg uh, should have uh, eternal gratitude to him uh, to be uh, a lunatic enough uh, to come with this idea um, in the coldest time of uh, Manitoba winter to, uh, or maybe because of that, to start an mm -hmm. event that has grown to be such a universally successful um, festival. And this is where uh, the probe of time shows. Mm. It's the quality of the idea and the quality mm. of execution that made a classics out of this uh, festival that is known around the world as one of the major new music events mm -hmm. um, anywhere in, uh, in in the world of music. And uh, so this is just to show that um, um, if the idea is great and uh, an execution of the years never fails the expectation, this will become a classic. Yeah. So this is actually a, a, a classic new music festival, you know? And so it's very fitting that in my first year of, uh, I find it very fitting that my first year as artistic director of the festival and music director of the WSO, Bromwell, uh, will be here with the first piece that actually was major orchestra piece that was played here. And in a way, also a groundbreaking piece for the world of uh, what is now known as uh, minimalist music, uh, 20th century harmonie uh, by uh, John Adams, um, um, which is indeed an incredibly accessible uh, work uh, that in itself became now absolute classic of 20th century music. There's no doubt uh, about mm -hmm. it that there are some pieces like, uh, you know, 70 years or 80 years before that, what happened to Rite of Spring by Stravinsky, mm -hmm. talking about contemporary music that scared I don't don't you cannot say what it scared out, out but scared the scared the spirit out of everyone in Paris and much more. Um it's an absolute classic uh -huh. um, uh, now, and no one questions it. Mm -hmm. And even people reserved to classical music, you know, listen to that. It's uh, it never stops to amaze. So that that happened to um, um, this work by John Adams and many other uh, pieces of the twentieth century music or nineteenth century music that really didn't. Uh, impress the contemporaries because they were too complicated, too much mm -hmm. looking forward, mm -hmm. or, or people were just unrightfully scared of this being a new word. They were too comfortable in their usual zone. You know, we like what we know, and mm -hmm. what we try to do at WSO is, uh, 
to make people like what they don't know. You know, because otherwise <laughs> yes. we eat the same thing, we dress the same way, we listen to the same yes. music, we read the same books, we we always uh, watch the same movies and every Christmas uh, Sound of Music and everything, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, so um, it, it's great to be open to that. And this will be my 20th uh, New Music Festival. And I remember even the first year uh, with Bramwell, how it felt to me. It felt like we were so daring. And it felt like you could breathe. It felt like you could do anything. Also, it's New Music Festival. Even the audience seems different or more relaxed or, I don't know, yeah. different people. It was really uh, just 20 years ago. It felt a little bit kind of avant-garde to be um, doing this at the time. Um, the second concert is Collective Nine and Architect. So it's a percussion quartet and a classical string band. Yeah, and and, and this is the project that uh, was uh, uh, actually created uh, and existed already before um, it was offered um, to a new music festival. And uh, so-called, you know, you can say it's a pret-a-porter uh, kind of uh, event that is not going to be rehearsed in Winnipeg. Um, this is a, it's a group of uh, uh, young musicians uh, um, that is, um, it's it's a project which has a lot of uh, multi-layers of uh, technology. It's a lot of interaction uh, uh, during that. And it's, it's, it's really great to see what the um, combination of... Um, Uh, percussion, strings, uh, poetry, um, stories um, can achieve and um, also point to a, a kind of a new direction of the uh, next generation of uh, Canadian music too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, and this brings us to our third night, uh, six emerging Canadian composers and the winner of CMC. Yeah. Uh, so they are also here for the week, right? There's a composer Absolutely. institute and yeah. they get to present a piece. And that's a tradition that is now in its third year, I think. Um, uh, we really try to encourage and develop uh, the Canadian's uh, symphonic mm -hmm. voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the most difficult thing in any field of of our being um, is not the shortage of great ideas. Everyone has mm. incredible ideas in any field. It's somehow, how do you implement this? How do you, you have a great idea to build something, how mm. you actually do that. You have a great idea to compose something. You have a fantastic color or a combination or a story or instrumentation in your head. How do you actually make it sound the way you want It to be heard mm -hmm. and you cannot a a acquire this knowledge by studying in university or conservatory or but from where you can only do it by writing for the orchestra let it the orchestra play your pieces hear where the shortcomings are and be able to change incorporate changes to have guidance from more experienced uh, colleagues and this is what we try to encourage we try to Uh, encourage young uh, composers, Canadian composers, and especially the ones from the region, from the prairies, uh -huh. uh, to uh, submit their works, and we choose the six best. And then during this uh, festival and during this event and the rehearsals, um, each of the uh, work will be 
uh, rehearsed with the orchestra in presence of the composers that are the faculty then, and we will together with the orchestra and the composers uh, and their uh, mentors discuss um, the problems and f try to find the <laughs> solutions. So it's a it's a it's a, a creative process of a mutual interest, uh, so that. Uh, uh, the young generation of composers is not discouraged by the difficulty of actually having their voice heard. Uh -huh. And um, I think it's it's great, and I, I, I will be conducting myself the work of uh, mm -hmm. the winner. Uh -huh. uh, and, um, you know, there can be only one, and we <laughs> unanimously decided this time it's going to be this one. Um, but um, uh, all these uh, young people are... Uh, very talented and there is a bright future uh, for them as long as they stick to uh, having great ideas and find the means to organize them on mm. paper. Mm -hmm. And now we come to the heart of the week with animals as leaders. Oh yeah. What do we say <laughs> about... You know, this is again something about uh, the quality of excitement uh, something in our life can bring. Um, I grew up, uh, as I told you, uh, having an older brother and in the times where, um, you know, behind the Iron Curtain uh, in Soviet Union, 70s and the beginning of 80s. And, but I grew up listening to a lot of really high quality uh, rock music. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have an older brother, you know, when I was you know, 10, he was 17. When I was mm -hmm. 11, he was 18. So <laughs> I I grew up with the best of, you know, Genesis and the police and Peter Gabriel and all that stuff that now seems to be a classic. Uh -huh. But the taste for this great music of different genre, whether it's uh, hard rock or rock or punk rock or uh, art rock, uh, that stayed in me very much. Uh -huh. So I have myself, a 20-year-old son who is a fantastic jazz drummer, but before he became a jazz drummer, he is a student in Amsterdam Conservatory. He trashed lots of cymbals <laughs> and drum skins and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sticks in uh, my cellar. Uh, <laughs> I was living on a volcano with someone who will be coming full circle through heavy metal, hard rock, and then... Also, thanks to him, we landed into the um, world of progressive metal. Uh -huh. The world, the word metal here is also a little misleading. Yes, it's a hard rock kind of uh -huh. sound, but the most important is progressive. And progressive means out of the box, interesting, yeah. exciting, experimental. It's the level of virtuosity of these three mm. three people, and by the way, the drummer Matt Garstka, uh, I experienced life accompanying my fifteen year son uh, to a, a percussion uh, uh, exposition uh -huh. of minor uh, drums, and uh, where Matt uh, Matt Garstka was playing as a minor uh, artist, and I think he was playing some tracks from Animals as Leaders at that oh, time, yeah. and. Uh, I just couldn't believe the complexity oh, of yeah. this rhythmical and 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 harmonical world world. And then I listened to uh, the uh, their tracks and recordings. And what translates so well into our instrumental orchestral world here is that this is a, let's say, still a metal band, 
but they don't have a vocalist, so it's all instrumental. So it's chamber music. It's actually a trio. <laughs> and okay. for me, immediate, uh, like at hands reach, was the idea that it is just a chamber music. It is a trio, whether it's a violin, viola, and cello, mm-hmm. or two guitars and 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 drum kit. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of relationship. It's just the music they are playing is 300 years in the future, uh, oh. uh, you know, and but very accessible, very exciting. And, you know, we all are, when I, I, I was always uh, uh, as a kid uh, an adamant fan of ice hockey. It's just, I, I grew up at the times when the, the Soviet team was one of the best, you ah. know, red machine <laughs> and everything. And we were not particularly good at anything else, uh, soccer or whatever. So it was ice hockey and figure skating, anything on ice. Mm-hmm. But then I moved uh, to Europe. I live almost 30 years in Amsterdam. They're great speed skaters, but no ice hockey. Mm-hmm. And speed skating probably is a little less exciting than ice hockey. What I want to say is when you look at some great NHL ice hockey teams, You and you are even not an ice hockey fan, the level of virtuosity, yeah. what these guys do on their skates, mm-hmm. and the way they handle the puck, and it, it's just jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. So it translates for me into the same direction. You don't need to understand um, music in instrumental or technical uh, way, but if you hear animals as leaders, their virtuosity, the mm-hmm. way they play their instruments, it's its like a circus. It's impossible. It's <laughs> its magic. I mean, we talk about great violinists and Paganini yes. and everything, you know, virtuosos and stuff. These guys are surpassing that by 10, you know, it just because also rhythmically it's without seeing what they actually play, you can't imagine how it's, it's possible. And that creates an excitement. You just you just feel lifted from your chair. Mm. So, and suddenly I come to Winnipeg and we have composer in residence, Harry Stafilakis, <laughs> who is uh, actually a metal head, you yes. know. He, <laughs> he comes from the progressive metal side and then he very carefully somehow <laughs> acknowledges that maybe there is an interest. And then I say, oh yes, but of course, animals as leaders and, and this and that and what about Spiral Architect and what about... And he just... You know this stuff. There is a conductor, a music director of the orchestra, classical music, Bach, Mozart, Mahler, and he knows this stuff and said, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Little did I know when I received this course uh, of this arrangement, Harry now did, that I will be facing maybe the most difficult score to conduct in my entire career until <laughs> now. But this is the level of excitement it brings to me. I'm sure it will bring, uh, it's a great challenge, but it's worth really trying to go for it, also for the orchestra. And the, the result it will create with the audiences, I, it's going to be one and an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. So this is where, if this is where your classical music is to start, you will be hooked on it forever, I'll tell you. Mm. Yeah. Yes, because they will be joining us for the last uh, for the final for concert. the final concert, they but them. they also play a, a, a recital uh, as yes. the, the full recital themselves. Yes, yes, before the, uh, they before that, join the orchestra. and um, and uh, this is uh, this is going to be because it's also so intelligent, you know, and mm. it's real musicianship there. So it's nothing about show. It's not. It's uh, and mm. these guys are used to fill, you know, the medium-sized stadiums. You mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. by all means, it's going to be great. Yeah. So now we come to the fifth night. Uh, which you are conducting, and we have our guest uh, composer, Pederis Vasks, um, with a piece that Gwen will play. So we have a few soloists that night, mm-hmm. uh, Gwen playing the piece by Pederis Vasks and Mike Camp 
playing, playing uh, um, Timpani. Michael Dorsey. Yeah. Yes, um, and the Winnipeg Singers. Um, so let's start with the... Well, I, I, I would start with Patrice Vasques, a, a really wonderful um, composer from Latvia. Uh, it's a Baltic uh, country um, in Europe, uh, formerly um, being part of Soviet Union after the Second World War. And, but before that, uh, like Estonia and Lithuania, being an independent country, is a, it's a wonderful, uh, he's a wonderful uh, um, friend um, whom I've known uh, for many years and was blessed to uh, conduct a, a lot of his music. It's a completely different world uh, uh, if you compare it to uh, uh, Animals as Leaders or uh, later Michael Doherty. It's a Petrus Vasquez is, is, is for me is one of the most uh, spiritually um, bright and spiritually pure persons I ever known. He's he's a son of uh, uh, Domine, uh, um, a priest, and uh, someone um, whose um, strong religious beliefs um, uh, actually translate into incredible spirituality and connection to the nature so this is uh, an, an ex a very a cleansing i would say experience mm. uh, for anyone who touches on his music um, um, and the the level of humbleness also in petrus is overwhelming um, i've conducted his the works of his uh, around the world for many many years i played his music as instrumental as his chamber music uh, before that too. I've uh, met him many years ago for the first time uh, and we became friends and uh, I was thrilled that he accepted my invitation to come to Winnipeg and uh, um, he'll be here. We play three of his works uh, during the festival, one for violin solo uh, and the strings, one for the choir and and strings and one um, full symphony a large symphony which is the last concert symphony number no. two um the work with the winnipeg singers uh, the wonderful chamber mm -hmm. uh, choir here from winnipeg um, it's uh, has a religious context it's called donna nobis patum um, and the work uh, for violin uh, solo and strings. It's called Meditation, but it also has a subtitle, uh, Lonely Angel. So oh. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a music of great purity and uh, comforting, I think, too. Yeah. And, and Michael Doherty yes. then <laughs> yes. is rightfully called uh, for many years. Um, I don't know um, if uh, he will hear that, but I know I'm sure he knows that he is rightfully called an American symphony cowboy. <laughs> he is a. I I've, I've never met him in person, uh -huh. uh, but um, his music is continuing this incredible tradition of American music uh, with Copland and Ives and uh, Stravinsky to some extent too, but particularly Copland, I think, and Gershwin. Um, it's, this is a pure joy and entertainment and um, very smart, very bright, very brilliant, uh -huh. uh, but it's a completely different world. It's a... It's a real product of uh, um, 
it's a it's 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 a real North American sound. Would you in say a it's a little bit sense. pop? Oh, it is very yes. poppy. <laughs> it is very poppy, absolutely. But mm-hmm. this is what you would say: it's a pop's classics. You uh-huh. know, it's um, it's not uh, a pop music arranged for classical orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's just a classical writing that takes so many leads mm-hmm. from pop, Cuban, yeah, Latin jazz, American. Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood, uh, review, cabaret, cabaret, you know, mm-hmm. and a uh, great deal of uh, American movie music, you know, like Western music. Uh, and extremely can- difficult. Yes. It sounds more difficult it's, okay. than it is, I must say. <laughs> okay. It sounds more difficult than it is, but because the logic of the, the, the way it's, it's written uh, is it, everything falls very much in its place. And oh. it just has this incredible... Uh, youngness to it and it's you know? a show in itself oh it's absolutely for six drums and uh, i mean to write a piece for a timpani that is actually a drum you know a six yeah. drums and a yeah. full symphony orchestra it's a great idea and that can uh, you know strike only someone with a great sense of wit too and uh, we have a great soloist because i think our principal timpanist in my camp is the right person to do that he and can uh, make a big show <laughs> i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure I, I, everyone will enjoy it also because the um, the contrast between the music by Patrice Vasques and this is what everything, uh, what's it all about? It's it's really showing the different conditions of atmosphere in our life, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, so yeah. that I, I I try to create concerts where, in this particular in- instance, in uh, uh, during the New Music Festival, that you don't have one concert that is united by one particular idea and color mm-hmm. of atmosphere, and another with a completely different one. I try to thrive here on a, on a notion of a strong polarizing contrast uh-huh. so that whoever comes to this concert will find there something for themselves and not necessarily need to wait to another for another concert where something will be more in alliance with their tastes. And so um, just offer this uh, very opposite conditions of our emotional spectrum. Is, uh-huh. uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a great way, great way to go. And now, one before last, we come to Room Full of Teeth. Yeah, this well, these guys became already a legend in themselves. And again, I never had a chance to hear them live, so I'm very much looking forward to uh-huh. it. But um, ever since I came across uh, the recording of uh, and the performance of the uh, already classically famous Partita for Eight Voices, mm. uh I was amazed because I don't think that you can actually call it a vocal quartet or singing. It's for me, it's like theater of voices. Whatever these guys can do with their voices, it's quite amazing. It's it becomes much more instrumental, and uh, you feel that each voice becomes a certain instrument fitting this ensemble, and uh, they're also bringing this uh, legendary partita for eight voices uh-huh. to Winnipeg New Music Festival and um, a number of other pieces. And they also uh, perform with us, with the orchestra, a work by one of the uh, founding members uh, of it, Carolyn Shaw, who is uh-huh. both a singer and a performer. She's also playing violin, but she's a composer, uh, meanwhile a uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning and um, she will participate in the festival too, and we were we perform uh, a work for eight singers and full symphony orchestra 
music in common time. And again, there, uh, it's partly singing, but mostly it's it's a lot of effects that you don't necessarily expect human voice being able to. Mm -hmm. you very know, virtuosic. Very virtuosic, but also very uh, effects coming from very, very different um, um, ways of singing, folk singing, you know, whether yodeling or oh, yeah. throat singing, uh -huh. or sometimes it's... Uh, uh, effects that are more like in line with, with spoken word, uh, you know, or uh, other kind of effects. So this creates a, a very unique language. And uh, again, dressed into the colors of the symphony orchestra uh, creates a completely unexpected level of soundscapes. <laughs> uh, closing night. Yeah. We are there. So closing nights are three um, composers, uh, Petrus Vast, Carolyn Shaw, and... Um, Anatol Vastotia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. Um, so this is the, the culmination yeah. of... Uh, um, I was exposed to music by uh, Anatol Vastotia, uh, who they, in Iceland, the names, the, the surnames are so long. Everyone mm -hmm. calls themselves by the first name because everyone knows each other. So they call, I was struggling, Anna Torvo. Oh, oh, just call her Anna. <laughs> okay. um, a few years ago, I was conducting uh, the opening night of the Nordic Music Festival in, in Reykjavik and, uh, a couple of years ago. And one of the works uh, was this by uh, Anna Torvastotir, not this one. Uh, we're going to play because that is going to be a Canadian premiere and uh, the only other performance until uh, then... Uh, was with New York Philharmonic, the world premiere. Um, and uh, Anna was there, we met, I was working with Iceland Symphony on her work, and I really liked uh, this uh, landscape that she was painting somehow. Uh, it's very difficult to explain and to tra tra translate what to expect, but this is uh, a kind of music where actually seeing the colors or the lights, the intensity of lights and shades almost becomes physical. It's uh, the sonorities she creates and the times and the overlapping lines that uh, create different tensions within the soundscapes. It, it leads to a certain, I don't know, a chemical acoustic reaction from which you almost see the color of the sound. It's wow. a, it's a it's it's really in that sense a very much a metacosmos kind of thing you know it's uh, very difficult to translate but incredibly fitting also for the time of the year and the temperature and the you know the darkness and the um, the the special light that we can have here when we have light uh, like when I think that very often I um, when I come to Winnipeg after my European uh, overseas concerts the first couple of days I'm heavily jet lagged and keep waking up very very early in the morning because it's seven hours late in mm -hmm. Europe so I if I get up at five and it actually starts to get a little brighter by eight nine so this transition from night into day at this um, uh, place uh, in Winnipeg is the lights are very special and uh, these are the kind of lights you you might experience with music by uh, Anna Torvalds Dottier and then as I mentioned the work by Carl and Shaw uh, for a uh, room full of teeth and uh, and the WSO, 
uh, music in common time, uh, music full of effects for uh, eight singers, performers, uh, uh, lots of effects, where you actually also lose the, the the line where the voice finishes and where the instrument starts and mm-hmm. then one goes into another. Uh, they have this ability of, you know, modulating their the sound of their voices to such extent that suddenly they sound like strings and then we sound like voice. It's a, it's special also because originally the, the work was uh, written, I think, for uh, the version for choir and orchestra and now they're doing it for eight singers and a little amplified and it becomes more personal more more solistic and the last uh, work of the festival will be a, a 45 minutes uh, second symphony by Petrus Vasks which is um, a great continuation of symphonic tradition uh, but in a very personal uh, language um, written in the, uh, generally music by Petrus is uh, uh, very very often related to a very difficult past of uh, the country of his he loves so much but also universally about uh, the conflicts uh, around us conflicts of uh, humanity and nature conflicts within humanity conflicts of progress and uh, uh, and and not forgetting uh, our roots and uh, where we come from and it's always about uh, a hero and hope and more often than less the hero actually struggles to survive the the fight but the hope always stays and this is uh, the great about the music of Petrus that uh, no matter how tragic the outcome of the conflict uh, in the story he tries to uh, bring to our attention uh, might be uh, the hope and the beauty of uh, uh, what we have uh, in our possession this unique uh, gift of life uh, is always stays there mm. well on these words daniel thank you very much for sharing with us your knowledge and your enthusiasm thank you very much for having me i really much look forward to uh, greeting many many uh, people who are going to be curious and not afraid and open to uh, share our joy for what we do with us great thank you thanks the silence between is a past bedtime studio production thanks for listening i'm elisa valley your host for the silence between and assistant principal viola with the winnipeg symphony orchestra Join us next episode for more interviews with WNMF guests. Yes, yes,